Welcome back to Coffee and Comic Books. I'm Autumn. I'm joined as always by Rick. Hello. And Rick, you were just telling me about what you were reading before we hit record. Why don't you tell everybody else about this shit? <laughs> so I've read about three-fourths of uh, uh, Regis Louisel's uh, Mickey Mouse Zombie Coffee, which is a book put out in France in 2016 and then by Fantagraphics in this late, earlier 2022. And... Um, it's a comic about Mickey and his friends being evicted from their houses so that a guy can make a golf course on them. <laughs> and he has his mad scientists uh, work up the zombie coffee to make everyone like loyal, obedient workers while Pete goes around burning all their, trying to burn all their houses down poorly. Are these like newspaper strips? Cause these are like, really, no, like wide. So there it was, it was drawn specifically in a way to emulate the old uh, Floyd Godverson Mickey comics. Okay. Okay. But it's done in like that way where um if you've read and like seen the old Mickey stuff, you can see the places where he's like specifically going against those comics. Mhm. Like the way like Mickey Mickey will be the formed lot in these comics like the ears will be off and the the face will be off and he'll be like doing like weird action scenes from like different angles that are not normally in those old newspaper comics. Cuz those yeah. old newspaper comics are like very 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 precise. Like that's the whole thing about them. I'm looking at the um, like preview pages on Fantagraphics website, and they do like cheat Mickey's ears, but they like have them warp and like stretch in a way that like you just wouldn't get in the Lloyd Godprince and stuff. You uh-huh. know, <clears throat> like they're not perfect circles. Yeah, and it was kind of an accident that this and the other book I read this week were both animal comics. <laughs> given what we read for the episode. Uh, the other one is, um, do you know anything about the Christic Institute? No. Okay, so in 1986, the Christic Institute fired a 20, filed a $24 million lawsuit against um, a parts of the CIA about a bombing and their, uh, um, their involvement in drug trafficking across Latin America. And as part of, like, a thing to... Uh, help raise awareness for this they commissioned a comic that was half of was about this bombing and the other half is taken from a bunch of like old like um textbooks on like the deals and workings of those agencies uh okay it's like it's like 38 pages and here's the part where it gets why i've read it like six times is it is uh written by alan moore and drawn by bill sinkevich <laughs> what <laughs> So what? it is it is like a 40 page comic of a, an, an amorphized bald eagle in a bar in a bar trying to explain to people the history of the America post World War Two <laughs> and trying to sell the person he's talking to that. Oh, yeah, we're the good guys as he's explaining all the people that they're hitting and like selling drugs to and like working with Pepsi and stuff. Yeah, it's wild. I'm going to send you one page of this. I have to figure out which one because it's 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 a it's a it's a good nightmare. Uh, <laughs> what's the, what's the name of the book? I caught Christic Institute, but I didn't. Oh, it's called Brought to Light. Um, one second. 
I'll get the whole name because the whole name's a long thing. Uh oh shit. Oh, where's the front page? It's uh <laughs> it's uh, brought to light thirty years of drug smuggling, arms deals, and covert operations that robbed America and betrayed the Constitution. Oh my god. <laughs> and the, the the book they do is called Shadow Play the Secret Team. Okay. Yeah, um, let me get one page of this so you can see what it looks like. Because it is post-Electra Assassin, Bill Sienkiewicz, so he is just going off of one uh, at all times. And it's great. Yeah, this is 1988. This is when you want... Jesus! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, Okay. This was partially influenced because I do a good job most of the time of keeping away from this stuff. But I saw a really bad Tom King code about how the CIA is good. So I had to be selling counter-programming <laughs> to that. <laughs> the continued success of Tom King is just baffling. <laughs> it is, and it's also like, it's not, and that's kind of the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, everybody likes a guy who just read a bunch of Alan Moore comics and Claims to have worked for the CIA. I kind of remember some people being like, did he actually, though? <laughs> but I don't Oh, know. that was a whole, like, big performance bit that got him so angry that he posted, like, some picture on... Oh, is it annoying? Okay. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. This is, like... This is bringing, like... I vaguely remember, like, Twitter discourse about this, but I don't I don't actually care enough to actually remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the lettering long, on this long... page is something else. <laughs> uh, here's the, the, char- the main character who's describing all these events from this comic. Just so you can see what we're dealing with. Um, oh my god. <laughs> Bill Sienkiewicz is the fucking god, dude. <laughs> now since Watergate, Congress had had me pussy whip, but if Nixon's VP Ford got reelected in 1976, <laughs> this, this is just an eagle talking to the camera about... <laughs> Like, who he doesn't want to become the director of the CIA. This is, this is something. Yeah, oh good. my um, god. It, it ends on a long thing where he's talking to the guy who's talking, and he slowly opens a briefcase, like, about, like, you're going to take this deal and believe everything I'm saying about how we're the good guys, right? And it's just full of guts and grime and, like, blood pouring everywhere. It's so great. Oh my god. <laughs> um... Also, weirdly, it, it kind of ties into what we're talking about today. <laughs> it does kind of weirdly talk <laughs> tie into what we're talking about today. Um, before we get there, I'll just say that I've been continuing to... I'm about halfway through uh, Cyborg 009 now, and hopefully like on the next episode we'll just be able to talk about it some. Um, what else? I read I read like little bits and bobs of a bunch of different things, nothing I'm going to actually like get into much, but I'm just going to see... Tell people what I've been working on. Um, <clears throat> I can't find it right now. Oh, I read I read uh, the first two issues of, of Static. Um, the John yeah. Paul Leone, uh, Dwayne McDuffie, um, I forget the Robert Washington III, I think. Uh, I believe could, so. Could have that first name wrong, but um, yeah, I'd read I, I Reading those, I was like, oh yeah, I do really remember reading these a couple years ago, but it hits so much stronger now because like, I remember the first time I read Static, I was like, I really like Spider-Man. This is kind of like Spider-Man. And now reading it, it's like, this is kind of like Spider-Man. And unfortunately, Spider-Man has sucked for the last 15 years. 
<laughs> so it's really refreshing to read somebody write a Spider-Man comic and actually understand what makes Spider-Man comics good. <laughs> um, also, John Paul Leone's art is fucking incredible. And it's so different from what he does in The Winter Men. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I only read like three issues, so we don't have to like get super deep into that, really. I've read those um, in a while, also. <clears throat> um, when did you... About... <laughs> Um, what is your history with Urasawa? Um, so, uh, I think I mentioned this somewhere on the podcast, but I don't know, and it might have been in a paid episode. So, I have read four or five volumes of Pluto, because, mm -hmm. um, that was what was at the library, and then I kept hoping the last three volumes would be returned to the library, and they never were, and so I never finished Pluto. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was back in the days before I had, like, a tablet or knew anything about piracy, so I was just like, well, I'm fucked. <laughs> um, and then last year, maybe 2021, um... I read the first couple volumes of Monster and really enjoyed it, and then I just, like, kind of fell off just because I hadn't been in a manga mood. Funnily enough, I went to um, the comic store in my neighborhood last night um, and found volumes 4, 7, and 8 of Monster and was so surprised to see them in print again that I immediately purchased them. <laughs> uh, so... I, I was talking to the guy who worked there, and hopefully they'll have one, two, and three in in the next week or two, um, because I would love to read Monster in not scanlations. So, <laughs> um, was really excited to see those at the store. But yeah, uh, to answer the question, like dipped into a, a bunch of Urasawa, uh, or dip, dipped into some Urasawa, but never finished it. Um, so. Uh, these first five volumes of Billy Bat blew my fucking mind. <laughs> uh, so for me, I kind of told this on Great Gundam Project, weirdly enough, because this might be one of the... Com Monster is a comic that is the reason why I might be here right now doing this mm -hmm. podcast. Because um, I was watching anime when I started college, and Monster was very a very slow anime. Like, it's one of those well-reputated, but like 70-episode, like, we're going to go through this slowly. And right. I just realized, like, ten minutes episodes in, like, I could be reading this and be done already. <laughs> so I read it, and then I didn't look back and read comics more than I watched things for a very long time because of it. And then I was reading um, uh, 20th Century Boys while it was coming out, and that was fun. Oh, sick, yeah. Because that, and then that's all done now, and I have all that on my shelf because I bought it. And then I read Pluto after that, and then this one is actually, I, I came to it uh last year the year before because well last year because i wrote it on my list because i saw someone tweeting about it and i saw a page from a future issue that i'm not going to talk about now but i'll <laughs> tell you when we get to it that that's the one that got me to start reading this and it was not not did not disappoint at all <laughs> I, I will say that i also have seen one random page from like way down the line in this um and i will tell listeners which page it was when we get there but i'm not i'm not gonna i'm gonna sit on that for right now but yeah, just saw one random page and was like, well, I'm going to read that. I'm going to read Billy Bat at some point because I got to know how that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Does it make sense to go through this by volume? Yeah, probably. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> volume one. It's very, <laughs> very just like. Volume one of Billy Bat. Uh, we should also say that this is like. Not available in America, but very easy to find. Uh, 
<laughs> it's also award-winning in multiple European countries, but will never see print here. I started to get a sense of why it will never be printed here in these first five volumes, but I suspect there's more. <laughs> uh, who could say? <laughs> anyway, um, so volume one, very just like normal, very like in the same space as Monster. Uh, Kevin Yamagata is a uh, comics artist in the U.S. He's a Japanese-born American, um, and it's... I think it, we start the series in like late 40s, early 50s. It's been a couple years since the war. Um, he had been over in Japan um, as a translator, and now he's back in the U.S. He's drawing a comic called Billy Bat, <clears throat> um, which is like, at least in the, the first Billy Bat story we read, is very like noir film, very like inspired by the spirit um, or the shadow and um, or Batman. <laughs> anyway, um Kevin gets is told by somebody that um, his Billy Bat character looks just like something that he that that character saw while he was stationed in Japan, and so Kevin decides I've got to go back to Japan. I've got to find out did I steal this Billy Bat character? Did I like get this idea from somebody else and like forget about it? And so I've got to um, I've got to go back and um, you know get that creator's permission or or whatever. Um, and he slowly gets embroiled in, like, you know, pretty standard noir film plot where it's like, oh, there's, like, three different, there's two different government people, and there's this, like, shady guy who I don't know who he's working for, and I'm, like, caught up in all these, like, machinations that I don't really understand, and I'm kind of on the run because everybody wants me dead. Um... The, the climax then, and this might be getting into volume two, this kind of blurs together in my head a little bit, um, because there's a there's going to be a turn soon <laughs> where it'll start becoming much clearer to me what's in what volume. But <clears throat> the, 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 the climax here that we get is that um, Kevin is running from all the various people who want him dead, um, and he runs into the the sewer tunnels from the end of the third man and Billy Bat walks toward him and is like hey uh if you want to be the hero you've got to go back to America and and write the the rest of the Billy Bat series you have to um you know write the continuation and so um we assume that's what Kevin's going to do from here there's also like a dead prostitute girlfriend there's um uh, a guy who looks 100% identical to Tezuka, but then says, oh, that Tezuka guy, fuck that guy. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> we uh, can dig into that, but yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. broad strokes of the first volume. So volume one is actually, you did, that was volume two, but at the end there. Okay. Volume one is the one that ends right before they sleep together, and then it cuts to the moon. Yes, yes, volume one <laughs> ends on, they cut to the moon, there's two astronauts up there, and, and <clears throat> through this through this first arc like Kevin has been seeing um like there's a there's a bridge and under the bridge there's this graffiti of Billy Bat and he's like that's where I must have seen Billy Bat for the first time uh and cut to two astronauts landing on the moon and they see the Billy Bat like drawing on the moon before they got there <laughs> and it's like okay how did that get there that has not been answered yet in the first five volumes. <laughs> it also uh, evokes like 
was it was it a horror movie that did that or is it like a trend no transformers it was transformers like three right yes yes where the, the trailers were all like they get to the moon and then they turn the camera to the right and there's a transformer there yes <laughs> yeah yeah um also like Something I didn't know when I first read this that I found out soon after reading it is that um, you wouldn't necessarily know this not being from Japan if or like knowing what history, but it doesn't clue in until you get to the later stuff and realize that it's all like the incident he's being embroiled in in Japan is a real historical incident. Important. Oh, okay, yeah. Because one yeah. of the one of the other facets here is that like. He meets up with another guy who's working in his army tran- as an army translator, and that army translator guy is like, "Hey, check out this Billy Bat like thing that I found." Um, and um, he's he's talking to Kevin about like, "I'm going to spill your secret that you stole this uh, this comic from some uh, like mangaka in Japan, uh, and you have to pay me off." Kevin blacks out, and suddenly. The other guy is dead, and so they put that guy on the train tracks to make it look like he got ran over by the train, and then cut forward a couple a, a day or two, I think, and mm-hmm. um, there is also this guy who that translator was working for that has also been placed on the train tracks. That um, that guy who maybe it was suicide, maybe he was walking down the tracks of his own volition, or maybe it was a homicide. There's like yeah. ambiguity around that. He had just earlier that day laid off 300,000 railway workers. Um, Well, it's interesting because the first time this gets mentioned, he's supposed to be laying off 3,000. And then the second time this comes up, it's that he's laying off 30,000. And then the the most recent time that it's come up, he laid off 300,000 railway workers um, who were union. um, And this is like a like serious death blow to like... Union um, activity in Japan at the time. Uh, and there's a really great conversation with a guy in a field with one of the special agents going like, "Well, it could be, the, it could be the union, it could be the non-union, it could be people like fronting to be something else." And it's like it's all murky, and the the real incident mm-hmm. is also very murky. And like, I don't think people still know to this day who was really behind it, or they have like theories about it. But it's one of those things that it just exists in the world we live in that no one knows the real answer to except for the people that were there. Yeah. But yeah, they like the, the, this person in the field like offers up like four different theories that really all of them could be true. You know, like all, all these different theories that he offers up, like, well, that group would have motive to do this. And that gro- group would also have motive to do this. So like, I don't know. And then, yeah, I thought that <laughs> not n- realizing that this was connected to a real life thing. I was like, Ah, and volume six or or, or volume three, we're going to get an answer to this question. This is discarded. (laughs) The plot, this plot moves at the speed of a bullet train, and we do not have time to dwell on that shit. (laughs) Also, like, um, so Ursa has a bunch of modes in his comics, and one of the ones that comes up a lot in, like, Monster and 20th Century Boys and, like, this is that he writes and draws maybe the most page turning comics that exist in the world. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you just fly through this. Mm-hmm. And all the face, like everyone talks about it, but his faces are second to none. Absolutely. Like <clears throat> they're like 70 characters in this. Like they're like so many different characters he bounced off of. And they're all like different enough. And they, but they all stand out enough that you know who everyone is like on site. It's mm-hmm. great. 
there's um he does such a good job uh and this is something i noticed all all through like the parts of monster and pluto that i read but it's really really apparent here especially because you can see so much of the tezuka in this uh series that like he can really balance the like cartoony stuff with the like really realistic stuff he has a tendency to draw like kind of cartoony faces that are like just detailed enough that there's like you can really distinguish all the faces and then like there'll be that kind of cartoony face in like the most realistic like rainstorm on like a uh you know uh japanese street uh in the post-war like the the most like photorealistic like shit in the world you know and it's so mm-hmm. good like the contrast between those two things is so good <clears throat> And then volume two is the one where, <laughs> so you think, because like the you know first, the is. first few chapters are like continuation of volume one, everything's normal. Like yeah. he wakes up, he starts hiding out, but then the girl dies uh-huh. <laughs> and then it cuts. Yeah. And when I say it cuts, <laughs> Autumn, so where's like... it cut to? <laughs> so like. I was expecting a cut here, right? I was expecting, like, oh, we hit a climax with Kevin, and now we're going to maybe get some, like, explanation about who one of these shady figures is who's chasing him, or, like, just some more, like, world-building stuff. And we do get world-building. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but we cut to um, Christ bearing the cross. Well, okay, it's a fake-out. <laughs> you think that it's Christ bearing the cross. <laughs> And you think that you're cutting to Judas uh, conflicted because he just sold out uh, the Messiah. Um, and But actually, the guy who just sold, who believes he just sold out the Messiah is telling his story to this kid. And at the end of the story, you find out that that kid is actually Judas Iscariot. <laughs> the page where he goes home sits at his table and then it cuts across the table to two bats having an argument with him. Oh the my funniest God. shit in the world. <laughs> right. And so like, um, how, um, how Judas eventually, um, how this other guy, uh, recognized this other person as the Messiah. And then how Judas eventually re- recognizes Jesus as the Messiah is that they ask, um, you know, the Messiah, can you draw me the shape of the Lord? And um, Jesus, apparently, according to Jesus, mind reads Judas and draws Billy Bat in the dirt. <laughs> and it's also um, the the Tezuka analog character had introduced the idea that there are two Billy Bats, black and white, which I... I think we're supposed to infer right now is good or evil. I don't know that it's as simple as that, but you know. Um. Uh, the the book does a lot to like try like to make it simple and then make it not simple in the same like three pages. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, well, and it's such a, like a a weird question because uh, the black Billy Bat or the white Billy Bat um, doesn't make any sense because they're all drawn in black and white, and the, yeah. the book knows that, you know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> them having this argument is the best thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, 
They're, so then they're, the, the two Billy Bats are sitting across the table from Judas Iscariot <laughs> arguing about who's the evil fucked up Billy Bat. It's great. I love this shit. And they have like an actual like like Mickey Mouse like ball, ball of dust cartoon punch out in the middle of this guy's living room while he's trying to eat breakfast. Uh-huh. And it's like it the, the the contrast, like as you mentioned earlier, between like this kid who looks like a regular kid from all of his comics, and then these two cartoon bats punching each other in the face, going why Otto on the other side of the <laughs> table is the best. <laughs> uh but then we can't stay that, in yeah. that time forever, and we have to cut again. Autumn, where do we go next? Where do we go next? Let me see here. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> we go to a cab. <laughs> right. Okay, right. So. Well, we cut from Jesus on the cross to a cross on a church. Yes. And there, there is a black woman um, who is like in a wedding gown and she gets into a cab with a um, Japanese or Japanese American guy. Um, and she's like, yeah, I just got kicked out of my own wedding because um, my my husband's parents didn't approve of like hit their white son marrying me a black woman and she's going to go to um union station and she's going to go back home and then um this is set against the backdrop of there's like um <clears throat> like protests in the streets uh you know there's black folks protesting for like you know civil rights we're in the, we're in the late 50s early 60s now um and we're we're specifically in the late 50s now that I think about it <laughs> Very specifically late 50s. And there's like a white mob that's like counter-protesting. Uh, and Billy Bat is a little charm on um, uh, on the cab driver's car. Uh, and the cab driver is talking about how he likes the Kevin Yamagata um, Billy Bat comics. Not this fake Chuck Culkin bullshit. And we're like, who the fuck is Chuck Culkin? Read on to find out. <laughs> And like uh, uh, the lady specifically talking about how like in all the new Billy Bat stuff, like it's always like the Reds or the the Chinese who are the bad guys with their like African American like subordinates. Yes, yes. And then the driver's like, "No, nah, they weren't like that before." <laughs> yeah, they didn't. They didn't used to just be like you know the Soviet spies every single time. Uh, but Billy takes Billy tells the cab driver, "All right, you got to go back to the church," and he picks up the groom. And the groom is like, I fucked up. I was a coward. I gotta go apologize to her. I wish I could remember her name. Um, I can't. I can't remember his name either, honestly. <laughs> um, I don't think are they given names. They might they have, not. They they, they're given names been. later. Yeah, they they're definitely given names later, but I can't recall it now. Anyway, um, <clears throat> he's he's running to the. He's driving as quick as he can to Union Station. And um, he gets the backstory of their uh, meeting at the the co <laughs> the fake Coca Cola plant where the guy is the boss. Uh huh. And and <laughs> the the black workers of the Coca Cola plant are like, um, you know, we want to be paid fair wages. We're being paid paid less to work harder than our our white coworkers. And the white the white people are just like, we're racist. <laughs> um, we should note here that this is all scanlated. And we are not sure what words people are using here, but I know what the scan layers are choosing to use in people's mouths in these, and I'm not sure if they're in the actual book. Yeah, yeah. I 
I would love um, some clarity uh-huh. on these things. <laughs> a lot of a lot of slurs get dropped, you know, that I just in, uh, in two parses specifically. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and the the woman, the the bride. <laughs> get, so the the groom, the guy who will eventually be the groom. This is the story of how they met. He's the boss at this plant because his father owns the company, and he's like, we all just need to calm down, and uh, you know. Basically trying to diffuse this while not making anybody feel any better at all. Um, and she gets up there and she's like, listen, uh, if we riot, uh, it's going to be a lot of red blood. Like, we're all the same. And we all need to get together against the boss because that guy sucks. And apparently, and this guy is like, and I fell in love with her in that exact moment. Which is so funny. Um... I was so like, oh god, it's gonna do this like both sides thing. Um, it kind of does later. <laughs> <laughs> like you turn the page and she's like, oh, we gotta u- unite against the boss. He's the real enemy here. And I'm like, oh, thank god. <laughs> she really pulls that one out. Yeah, it does come back later, which we'll talk about. And it doesn't go that. It goes in a different way. That's wild. Yes. <laughs> um. But then, yeah. So the cab driver does this crazy thing where he drives through the whole crowd, like. Uh, he calls it parting the seas because uh, we're back from the promised land that we just were at. And so they, they pull that forward mm-hmm. and everything works out. Yeah, they they get together and they decide to get married after all. Um, we, we're going to meet up with the We're going to meet up again with these characters later. And I don't know. Do they then go back to the chapel and get married or do they elope? Not really clear, but yeah. Um, um, where do we cut next, Autumn? Do you remember? <laughs> We cut to Naruto. <laughs> we cut to ninja ass ninja comics for a little while. <laughs> it's all of volume three. Yeah. It's yeah. the end of volume two and all of volume three is uh, this group of ninjas grown up and in the past uh, working to move a scroll across J- ancient Japan. Yeah. Um, and specifically, um, there's the main character who I think is called Khan. Um, I might have that wrong because it's like con key gone. gone. Um, so there's like, but basically, you're they kind of cut back and forth. Um, it's kind of like Naruto, but better. Honestly, <laughs> I was joking, <laughs> but it's kind of cutting back and forth from when they were growing up to their like present day on this mission, and uh, the main the main guy Khan um, <clears throat> always thought of himself as the coward. He um, like, like you see a story of they're all um, racing to do something, and he knows he's not the fastest or the strongest. So what he does is he gets them all to eat this mushroom that paralyzes them because he's like, "Oh, I just ate these mushrooms; they were so good." And the, um, they, the other three, eat them and they end up paralyzed, and he ends up winning. Um, or like, there's a there's a race. Uh, his team against another team and the three of them um, get caught in a net and he uh, decides to go finish the race. We'll circle back to that story. <laughs> we should also mention that um, in volume one, one of the, one of the um, secrety kind of agent guys is looking for an ancient text. Yes. That yes. Kevin Yamagata does find, but thinks it's fake. Yes. Um, and they also, 
the the translator who died on the train tracks um had a copy of the scroll but not mm-hmm. the scroll um but and yeah so in oh, the good. cut to Khan and the other three ninjas as adults and Khan has been entrusted with that scroll that has Billy Bat on it and they're like you got to get this to a certain place to save the land of Iga and he ends up having to kill all three of his friends um there's a story with a like western missionary entrusting the scroll to another um Japanese guy um that we can dig it to but basically uh in the end Khan decide like uh doesn't make it in time and sees his land burning and so he decides that he's just going to bury the billy bat scroll um this whole story is fucking sick <laughs> It's so cool because it's the last thing you'd expect after what just came before it, which is yes. true of the other two as well, I guess. But he draws the action so good. He really fucking does. He really fucking does. Um, I just and like also also you know notice as it continues, uh, like there are like periods of time, and then slowly the the Billy Bat is showing up in each one of them as we cut to them. Yeah, and um, he, like, Billy Bat um, shows up to one character and says, like, do you want to be this country's hero? Uh, And then is like, oh, wait, that's the wrong time frame. Do you want to inherit the Earth? Uh, Because that's, like, a a thing I'm supposed to say in this time frame. That's a thing that would make sense to you. Uh, And then later we're going to see Billy Bat offering to someone else, do you want to be this country's hero? Yeah. (laughs) Um, this is so fucking sick. <laughs> so, like, the story is actually like uh, one of his friends is killing all the other ones and making it look making it easy for him while he's going along. Mm-hmm. And then he has to kill. And then he um he those two have to fight in the end because that friend is doing all this to like force his hand, basically. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. There was a there was a little bit of the ninja stuff that got a little confusing to me, in part because you had like four guys in masks running around all the uh-huh. time. <laughs> so some of their eyes are really distinctive, but a lot of them can like just blend together. Yeah. <clears throat> but um you go, you go, sorry. No, no, it's 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 just it's just really sick like stealth action yeah. out of a comic that you don't expect from it. And also like this one, um, notably different from the other Billy Bats is that this Billy Bat seems more negative, or like not negative, but like I don't know how to describe it exactly. Other than like he's like they so put together the black and white, and it seems like this one's the black one by their definition so far. Right. So you, you see, um, tangled up and all. Part of the reason this is also well, I got a little lost in this section is because you're jumping between a bunch of different perspectives through this. Yeah. Um, so you meet, at one point, Khan passes out, and he gets, uh, taken in by this character named Yajuiro, and you flash back to how Yajuiro initially was, uh, like I say, he was with this, like, Western missionary, uh, and that missionary, like, entrusted Yajuiro with the scroll, and, um, Yajuiro is like, we need to bury the scroll, and eventually, uh, the Billy Bat in the scroll starts, like, whispering into, um, 
Khan's ear, like you gotta kill, you gotta kill Yajuiro while his back is turned. You gotta like, you know, knife this dude in the back. Um, and just saying like, you know, you will become very powerful. You will become, you know, um, you know, you will inherit the world if you do this evil, like sick shit, you know? Um, and so this Billy Bat seems, seems more explicitly evil than like the Billy Bat we've been hanging out with for the most part is like, um, it has much vaguer motivations. It has it has motivations that are probably clear to that guy and to not to us, the reader. You know. Yeah, and it's also a nice like turnaround because um, Yajiro's clearly poisoning him with the same mushrooms. Yes, yes, it's great, and like the action there is great because he's got one of those um, he's got an axe on a a cord that he throws at people. Which yes. is cool stuff. And then um, the thing, what is that? Yeah, yeah. And like the way this section of the book ends after all this ninja stuff. And so hit the son of the guy who entrusted him with the task at the start of this volume goes to his like hut in the middle of the woods and just sees him carving statues and right. keeps asking where the scroll is. And he that that's when he like drops the like, what this is all about on him and the guy thinks he's going crazy and he goes to hit him and then underneath him and from behind comes this like it's like a batman panel almost because there's this giant yeah. bat child that comes out from underneath him and it's the sickest shit it's so good it's so good <laughs> <sighs> um and it's also cool because like there are a lot of times that like um like the billy bat stuff is like very cartoonish as compared to like the realistic um depiction of the rest of the things but this like bat shadow is like all cross-hatched and very much like fits into the environment and feels much more real and like uh much more evil um and yeah the other guy just the the guy just goes back to whittling his little uh buddha statues but now we get to hang out a lot with my favorite character these five volumes uh mr smith yeah, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> this guy rocks. So, uh, Yama, Kevin went back to America and disappeared. So, it's people on his trail. Uh, Mr. Finney and his agents. And Mr. Smith, who... <laughs> I forget where it starts. I believe it starts with them coming to the publishing house where Billy Bat's published. Mm -hmm. And they come into the... And he's sitting there reading... Um, uh, one of Kevin's like pre-war comics about a samurai going to a western town, which is a great uh, mix-up of itself. Yes, yes. And um, one of the, <laughs> I believe the scene goes, uh, he asks him for ID, and they ask him for his name, and he says Smith. So they ask for ID again, and then he shows him this ID, and he goes, "This is a really bad counterfeit. Are these agency really bad at this?" And then the guy <laughs> pulls a gun on him, and he goes, "You know, guns are for close or for long range only." And he grabs the guy's arm and judo throws him, and it's so yeah. good. Yeah. Smith, like, in the first arc, uh, as he's tailing um, Kevin, seemed like sort of a shady government agent. And maybe that's still true, but, like... <clears throat> in, he's a good in shady this government arc, agent. <laughs> in this arc, he's, like, totally recast as, um, like, detective guy, basically. Detective guy who's also does sick judo flips at people. <laughs> but... Or is capable of jumping from a horse to a re moving train later on. 
But yeah, that leads to the probably the best three pages of the comic, which he goes to this western town where Kevin set this comic, and he starts trying to get information, and no, they're stonewalling him like crazy. But he, so he goes and finds this cabin where all this drawing is on the walls that is clearly here. So he goes back, and then, oh. They, they start talking about how he started reading these comics and he loves them so much. And the guys are like, so what's your favorite scene in Billy Bat? And he's like, obviously when he left in his friend Cornelius in the jungle, at the end of Jungle Adventure, and they're all like, damn straight. And it's the best <laughs> scene in the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all these like gruff looking Western dudes who are like clearly about to shoot him the whole time. And um, Smith is like, you know, in Mr. Pistol Hair, one of my favorite Kevin Yamagata comics, um, the the sheriff there doesn't really carry a gun, um, and he, w- he would be so ashamed of all of you. And then it's revealed, after he's like, my favorite Billy Bat scene, it's revealed that the guys didn't have bullets in their guns! It's all fake. <laughs> and then they, like, quiz him, and they're like, who's your favorite supporting character? And he, like gives them an answer, and they're like, all right, you can go see Kevin now. Um, and Kevin is in the back of the um, uh, in the back of the saloon, like, blackout drunk. Um, but we have to go back, because... We have to reverse. There are, there are two <laughs> plots in this volume. One of them is Mr. Smith, but the other one is the one where you start reading this comic, and you're like, okay, nothing too crazy has happened yet. Everything's kind of normal-ish, but kind of nuts. And then... Uh-huh. There's, a Billy, there's a Billy Bat theme park, there's a Billy Bat mascot walking around, and then it takes off his head, and it's Lee Harvey Oswald. Yes! <laughs> and uh, I really appreciated that they... So they give you a rundown of, like, real-life things that I sort of knew, but I appreciated the refresher about, like, Lee Harvey Oswald was um, stationed in Japan, and then he defected to Russia, and then he defected back to America. Um, they also do so, this thing where, like... The boss is quizzing him about being like asked if he's a mar- as communist, and he says, "No, I'm a Marxist." Yes, <laughs> but like it's all this stu- it's all this setup to like his his reveal of his taking off his mask. Yes, it's so good. Um. Oh, oh! I just remembered another thing about why this will never get uh, localized in America. Well, we can talk about that in just a minute. Um, but yeah, so. We see, like, Lee Harvey Oswald's domestic life, and we see, like, he um, lives in a state where, like, nobody trusts him. The Americans want him because he has information about the Soviets, uh, and the Soviets want him because he has information about the Americans, but neither party really trusts him. And he is approached by um, Kurusu, uh, who we met in the first arc, who is, like, definitely the most evil fucked up guy of all so far. Karate Chop Um, Man. Yeah, he's the karate chop man. He can kill people with a karate chop. <laughs> and, um... Um... What? I'm trying to... I'm trying to... Right. Um... Kurusu is clearly trying to put Oswald into a position where he's going to have to assassinate JFK. Um... Uh, and this is going to involve, like, multiple years of manipulating lee harvey oswald's uh life um and it starts with this conversation on this park bench uh where he tells oswald buy a gun uh and do what i say and you're going to be a great hero to this nation you know um and then it cuts to a spy comic of oswald saying how he always wanted to be a spy and and somewhere in here (laughs) oswald is like 
I wonder which nation he meant, the U.S. or the Soviets. <laughs> oh, well, not going to think about that again. <laughs> uh, there's so many little flashes. And the, the best part is that as this this happens and then the, the Smith stuff happens with Yamagata, and then as Kevin starts drawing the heart Oswald stuff, because um, a going thing throughout this whole book is that uh, the Billy Bat stuff is like almost analogous to the, what's happening in the actual page of the comic. But just with Billy yeah. Bat characters, so yeah. it's it's um, Mr. Shiro who's like the evil like or looking guy, and then there's Oswald who is this almost like not finished rabbit. Oswald the rabbit, you say? Uh huh. <laughs> and like as the volumes progress, like the rabbit becomes more and more defined. Yes. <clears throat> it's so well done. Yeah, it's like a thing that I had, it's so good because Urasawa like gives you just enough to start piecing this together on your own that like when he, he never quite has to confirm that this is what's happening, but it seems to me that like, um, like Kevin has a connection to Billy Bat such that the comics that he draws are going to come true in some way. It's like he has some sort of like, like by drawing the comic, he creates this like self fulfilling prophecy, basically. Um, and so you see the bad guys are setting up like three different Oswald the Rabbits to shoot at JFK. Um, and then you also see that in the next issue after the assassination attempt. That if JFK survives, oh, yeah. like <laughs> JFK and then Robert Kennedy and then Ted Kennedy are, are going to be like successive presidents for 24 years of American history and expunge all the darkness in America. <laughs> I don't think this book actually believes that, but that's what Kevin believes. <laughs> um, and the one thing he still needs to draw is... He he needs to draw Billy taking the bullet uh, to to save JFK, and he can't quite do it. <clears throat> um, he needs to draw Billy Bat uh, <laughs> taking the bullet for dog JFK. <laughs> yeah. Also, <laughs> and like part of it seems to be at least to me at this point that like the the bats as they were, or bat, Billy Bat is setting up both sides of it, like constantly. Yes, yes. That so he's like, like leading one of them the to take Oswalds the bullet to be there, but and, also but maneuvering like Kevin someone takes, to be there. Someone has to take shoot the shot so that someone else can take the bullet. Yes, you can't have both or the other. Yeah, the, the history is going to need a sacrifice to make this happen. Yeah, that, that that's what it comes back comes down to. And it, he even says to uh, he says to Oswald at one point when he shoots a general to like set up something else that um. Do you want to be someone who just lives a no- normal life for 30 years, or do you want to be remembered in the page of history forever? Mm-hmm. And then he disappears. And it's... This it's book so is very, like... It's nebulous, but it's also, like... It's going to get... I guess I'll save some of this for the next time, because we're going to get way more into that stuff. <laughs> um, I do right, love... Where we, where we leave off, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I do. I genuinely like. Maybe JFK is going to live through this. I have my doubts, but maybe I don't know. <laughs> I do love that. Um, there's a comic 
that is the what happens after JFK survives his October incident. Yes. That is the funniest thing in the world because it's like the Cold War ended and Germany was reunited and Japan got all its territory back and this war ended and this war ended and then we go to space and have underwater light speed rail. The the (laughs) Americans like lay down their arms and hug the Vietnamese and the Viet Cong hug them back, you know? (laughs) It's so funny. Uh, this kind of makes me think that JFK is not going to live through this. <laughs> but we do get to the last bit of this that we're reading, and it is a guy in a studio uh, about to go on a program talking to Mr. Finney, his agent, about tracking down the fake cartoonist of Billy Bad. Yes. And this guy is Chuck Col- claims to be, goes on TV as Chuck Culkin, the creator of Billy Bad. And I knew this was going to happen. I knew this is what this was building to. Um, but it's so good when, it actu- when you actually see it play out. Because you don't see this guy's face until he's on TV. And so you get all these shots of him dressing, and it'll be, like, just his, below his face. or his like mustache. Yeah, like, just his mustache. Um, and he, he gets on TV, and that is Walt fucking Disney. <laughs> That is Walt Disney. (laughs) There's no way around it. (laughs) And um, then a a little bit later, you get like, um, like, you get like, uh, Kevin is having a conversation with his assistant. um, So you get like some backstory filled in that um, Kevin and his assistant worked on Billy Bat. Um, his assistant, Chuck Culkin. Um, and while Kevin is in Japan for a few months, that Chuck, like, sells the rights to Billy Bat, um, and eventually this leads to, like, Billy Land, and it's a theme park and all that. Um, and so you get a similar sequence at the end of Volume 5, uh, where you don't see Chuck Culkin's face for a little bit, as this is the assistant to Kevin, and then that assistant looks at Kevin, and it's just some random, like, kind of nerdy, like, Jewish-coded uh, uh, comics artist from the 40s. Could could be Jerry Spiegel, could be, like, any number of people, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, well, who the hell is this Walt Disney motherfucker then? <laughs> also, also, has Kevin always had an assistant? Because it certainly didn't seem like he had an assistant when we met up with him in the first act. I believe, first... he, was, I believe he was there in volume one. Okay, okay. <clears throat> Because there's been a little bit of, like, uh, there's been a couple times where it's like, is history getting rewritten on the fly here? That certainly (laughs) seems like, and so there was a part of me that was like, did we have any indication that, like, Kevin had an assistant before this? Because I don't think we did, but maybe I just missed it. Oh, yeah, he's in the the first chapter. Okay. There's a lot happens that happens between those two things. For example, Ninja Comics. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, speaking of, in the midst of all this Oswald and uh, Chuck Calkin stuff, we do cut back to the couple who is on the road in the deep yes. south, and they're, they they get flagged down by uh, a hitchhiker who wants a ride to town. Mm-hmm. And the hitchhiker asks them to stop at a field, and Autumn would like to explain what happens when they stop at this field. So So they pick up they pick up a black black hitchhiker, and he's talking about how, uh, like, Martin Luther King um, is 
like leading the civil rights movement and how excited he is about that. And the the white groom uh, that we met earlier is like, yeah, and Lyndon Johnson is going to, you know, fix racism. <laughs> He's really fixed on like Lyndon Johnson will like, you know, pass the Civil Rights Act. And um, uh, they drop that guy off and they pick up a white hitchhiker. And um, they go to this field and there is a lynching happening. There is like a KKK rally um, and this like white hitchhiker like explicitly brings along the white groom to see this lynching, but not the black uh, bride who at this point is pregnant. They're very much married. Um, really wish I could remember their names. Not going to look for it right now. <laughs> um, and they get embroiled in this like... <clears throat> Their car breaks down, and they're just trying to get the hell out of this town. Um, But they also, like, feel feel kind of cowardly for trying to get the hell out of this town while there are, like, you know, other black folks here who are going to be, like, negatively impacted by um, the the KKK shit going on. Um, And the, the white husband is very much just, like... Well, I'll just tell Lyndon Johnson about it, and he'll come down and fix all this. And is like having a like constant panic attack of fear while all the black folks in this are just like, okay, well, this is like a real problem that you know we faced, and we'll figure out how to like come together as a community and do this. Um, while my white husband shits himself constantly. Uh, their names are Tony and Diane. Tony and Diane, thank you. <clears throat> um, and the. The climax of this is that they, uh, the, there's like, they they find out the sheriff's involved, they find out, oh, there's this one guy, uh, the guy who owns the diner who might help, let's talk to him, <laughs> oh, he was the hitchhiker who brought us to the KKK rally to begin with, um, and the next morning they, like, get their shit together and they're able to leave town, and the white husband is like, remembers a Billy Bat comic and he's like, no, I can't just leave town. I can't just like be a coward. I've got to go do something about this. And so he goes to tell the sheriff something. Uh, not really clear what his plan was here, but he goes. <laughs> and the whole town's waiting for him, basically. <laughs> yes. And they're going to like beat the shit out of him uh, and kill him. And he gets through the he gets through the mob and he tells the sheriff and the sheriff is like, my evil, racist, identical twin cousin did a murder. Well, we can't let murder happen in this town. I hate black people, but <laughs> it's just, it is like, cart. it is like deliberately like cartoonish in the simplicity of there was an evil twin cousin and um, this racist white cop is just going to set aside his racism to uh, bring in his like racist cousin not a thing that would ever happen in real life just and yeah. like the, the comic knows the comic knows uh-huh it's been like sober uh, sober and aware enough about like real world politics that i don't think that the, like this movie ending would actually like urasawa knows <laughs> well you you love you have to think he knows because if he doesn't <laughs> <laughs> if, if he doesn't this is fucked yeah, <laughs> but the the like politics on the rest of this book are like good enough that I th- I think he knows. <laughs> yeah, I do think he knows. Um, God. but yeah, that is the plot of these first five issue five volumes of Billy Bad. Um, 
there anything so specific good. you want to point out? Um, I feel like we hit most of the stuff at this point. Um, I love the fake Coca-Cola. It's called a golden cola. I do too. Um, and there's also, a, I, oh wait, no, there's a, there's a reference to how, um, the golden cola is sold in the USSR and there's like a joke about, oh, maybe the bottles are red or something. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, okay, cute. I like that. <laughs> the thing I really love is, um, so when Oswald goes to Dallas with his wife, uh, uh, Finney and his team show up at his house and there's this little old lady who's like walking down the street and asked them, like, or he asked her, like, where did this family go? And she's like, what, do they do problems? Who are you? And yeah. they don't say anything. They're like, oh, we're we're no one. We're just acquaintances. And she's, like, walking away, muttering, like, oh, they're obviously a government agent or something. And then she, as she walks out of sight, one of the guys pulls out a silent pistol and shoots out the door. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's so much good paranoia in this book. Yeah, the, just... The, just the way that, like, this book moves between a lot of different genres, like, very deliberately. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that, like, the one thing, like, underpinning all those different genre moves is is the noir, the paranoia, the political thriller. Like, that's just my shit. Mm, give it to me. <laughs> and it's also, like, it may, it um, it's a mode that uh, greatly enhances by Urasawa's command of drawing faces. Yes, absolutely. Like, when people, like, get information and are, like, shocked by it. They're shocked by it. <laughs> or when people have to like give like a really small gesture to someone, you can see it. It's all there on the page. Yeah, like just the way he like does acting on these characters is so good. I also just love the Billy Bat Noir comics. I just want more Billy Bat Noir comics. <laughs> I really wish that I really wish that like Urasawa just did like like a little web series of like, here are just some Billy Bat comics, you know? <laughs> Especially the one that starts it out of just like Here's Billy Bat, like, like the first two chapters, I think, are just Billy Bat comics. Um, I love the, the, the faded brown of the so pages. good. It's so good. I would, I would legit kill for Urasawa just draws funny animal, like, spirit <laughs> comics. I would, I would kill for this. <laughs> what was the thing? I, I read something about that specific thing. What? Oh, yeah. Like, apparently there was negative reaction in those first two chapters on the internet. Why? I don't know. Like, it just says on the Wikipedia page without, like, source. I'm like, what the hell? Um. Yeah. Also, don't go to the Wikipedia page. It might give away some things. Okay. (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) Including you, the listener, if you have not read Billy Bat. There are some names of some people on this Wikipedia page that might be important later. (laughs) Um. Or might not. Oh. Oh, I forgot to mention that, like, a big thing that, like, sort of, like, uh, I I thought was really important to this reading, um, and didn't, we didn't mention, because we kind of, we kind of glossed over the Tezuka character, um, (laughs) the, the Tezuka character who, like, we see so many actual historical figures, so I think it's interesting that, like, this guy is not Tezuka, but he just dresses and looks like Tezuka. (laughs) But he also has Tezuka comics in his house. Yes. He has, like, yes. copies of Treasure Planet, like, lying around going, this this brat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought it was really... Um, his stuff about, like, humanity is evolving through art, you know? Um, and he draws a cup, and he's like, how did I learn... Like, how did I learn to draw a cup? I copied it from somebody else who copied it from somebody else. Like, 
like all art is on some level like copying some something else and this is like partially like kevin you have my permission to like use billy bat because i just copied billy bat from somewhere else um and um but the <laughs> so it's, it's like interesting like ideas about humanity is evolving through art and part of that evolution is copying mm-hmm. and then he's like but there's a first cave painting somewhere and billy bat is that first cave painting <laughs> it's also like a comic that's like very interested in like like it it's very suspicious of franchises but not of the people that are creating the works that get turned into those franchises yeah which i believe is like it's a, it's a very rare thing like this book i love when everyone so like that new billy stuff is so shit holy hell Mm-hmm. like like no one like people notice when the art changes but like it's like such a like great like it's it's blown up in such a way that's like like a national tragedy when like the artist changes on this comic book but like yes. no, no one notices it the like you're not gonna hear about that like unless you're talking to people that read comics about like oh the iris of spider-man changed shit i guess because that's because like we're not in the era where comics are like the primary medium that everyone's going through anymore yeah um and it's also like the things that um it doesn't seem like kevin's publishers like are getting in his way too much whereas Mm -hmm. like the thing that the the book is very skeptical of is like the corporatized billy bat and the like um you know like you see some of like chuck culkin's like billy (laughs) bat comics and it's just Billy Beck gets on a, like, water ski adventure, and it's, like, so nothing and boring. Um, the other it doesn't funny, matter, because it's only, like, three or four pages, I think. <laughs> the other funny part, too, is that the actual distinctions between the different Billy Bats and different comics are not actually that, like, big. No. And it's all drawn by the same guy. Like, yeah. this comic we're reading is all drawn by Urasawa, even if the Billy Bats in it are drawn by different people. Yeah, and I can, like, if I see the two side by side, I can sort of spot the differences between Culkin's Billy Bat. Because, uh-huh. like, like, he's a little more, like, smiley and his eyes are a little bigger. But, like, I I have to be looking at him side by side. But the people in the universe are like, no, nah, this is the shit Billy Bat. <laughs> <laughs> this is also, in some ways, like, the bi- the biggest and best Duck Amuck comic ever made. Because mm-hmm. it's just the guy standing up on the page going, draw me better. D- draw my stories. <laughs> 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 yeah it's so good and we have um, 15 more of these to go Billy Pat just being like you're a fucking coward for not drawing the comics uh, of me is so good <laughs> and he does show up in the tunnels from the third man yes like, that's what it's that is just, that's just what that is it's also in a way kind of reminds me it's coming out like not alongside but it's like alongside like the stuff that uh, Moore and O'Neill were doing in like uh, *The Story of Gentlemen*, uh-huh. where they're like remixing like popular things throughout history and how that history changes those properties. Like I remember in like one of the more modern ones. Um, do you know um, the show *Thunderbirds*? Like the the puppet shows from like the the puppet like uh, airplane shows. I'm aware of the. I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. I'm so aware. like one of those one of those things show up in like the Iraq War and one of the later Leroy Story Gentlemen's because like that's where culture has gone basically. Huh. So you can kind of see that happening here almost. Like there's there's a there's a whole thing the whole thing with that those books when they got like big and controversial was they had a Harry Potter like school shooting in one of the later ones. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. I I do remember hearing about like Harry Potter shows up in later um uh uh League of Extraordinary Gentlemen stuff, but I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> there there's a one there's one line in that book that I always think of that makes me think of this book too. Um they're talking to a guy who's like looking at the future basically, and he says, um his line is the franchise express gathers steam. And that okay. book comes out in like two thousand and four, so like before Marvel movies, before like everything that happened in the right, last like right. ten years of this stuff. Yeah. Because that's the other thing about Billy Bat too, is that it's also in like the shadow of all that too. Like this is Walt Disney, but it's it's also like it's also Batman. Yes. Uh yeah, important to note that um uh this is running from two thousand eight to twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. Uh because I feel like the time period that this is coming out is very important to this. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the Walt Disney stuff is definitely one of the reasons why I bet so anyone would be skittish to translate this. Yeah, the the Walt Disney stuff, I mean, literally there is an Oswald the Rabbit character, and I just don't know how you get away <laughs> with that, you know? <laughs> and the Oswald the Rabbit character is representative of Lee Harvey Oswald. Yes. <laughs> not, not to mention, like, you know... I, I, if I were a manga publisher, I would be skittish about putting out a manga that like has a graphic depiction depiction of a KKK lynching. I was reading that chapter in a coffee shop this morning and was like, oh, I hope nobody's looking at my <laughs> over my shoulder right now. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is fair too. <laughs> and I will say, like, when I say that this book will never come out in America, like, we're not even close to what we're gonna hit with what what that means. Yeah, there's there's stuff coming, which. To be fair, if, like, it's all history. <clears throat> yeah. Um, like, uh, the some of the backdrop to the, um, like, <clears throat> ninja comic stuff is, like, uh, Oda Nomuraga, like, taking over um, Japan. Um, and then you, like, uh, in the flash forward at the end of the ninja comic stuff, like, it's, like, Nobunaga has, like, taken his own life, and uh, Hattori Hanzo is like, you know, assumed uh, power, and et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that also ties back into the Kennedy stuff, where his whole thing is that someone has to die to keep this machine moving. That's how the machine works. Yeah. Very, very like... <laughs> I think the book is, like, very aware of, like, the ways in which, like, history moves um and decides to like history moves because of like politics and backroom deals um and sort of indulging in like what if there was a secret conspiracy at the root of it all you know Mm -hmm. um while also being aware that there i i don't think that like urasawa actually thinks there's an evil bat who's been controlling the fate of humanity for two thousand years (laughs) no (laughs) The, oh, the other one was, um, oh, where was, oh, I just lost my entire train of thought. Shit. No. <laughs> um, uh, oh, yeah. Um, it comes up in, like, the, the, the train stuff in from volume one and volume two comes up later when Smith is talking to uh, Kevin in the future from those events, or, like, like the near future of those events, and um, all that stuff, like, led to uh, the the vast like militarization around Japan and the Korean War and then being more subsumed into American control. Like it's it's all about how this is all like one big chain of events. Like his like and 
Billy Bat might be in the mix of it, or do I just be people? Because that's their part about the ninja stuff is that the end of the day, it wasn't the, like the end of that comic is Billy Bat going like, it wasn't me telling you that the sword was coming from the left. It was the wind blowing from the left as the guy swinging the sword. Right. Right. I'm just, I'm just your heart making you think that I'm talking to you. Yeah. Which and, is also um, what Jesus and Judas went through back. <laughs> Talking about right. this comic makes me wild sometimes. It's like, am I really saying that like this ninja comic is re- referencing back to uh, the Bible and Jesus? And right. Yes. And um, <laughs> like similarly, you know, you like take it forward to now. Billy Bat is like acting on like this very like global stage. Um, is it actually the machinations of Billy Bat? Um, like pushes toward crushing the left in Japan um, and <laughs> yeah. giving the Americans more control? Or were the Americans going to find some way to get more control? And Billy Bat just kind of nudged things in that direction, you know? Yeah. But then, like, the best part is that that's all true, but then haunting over it all is there was a bat on the moon. There's a bat on the moon! <laughs> Neil Armstrong on the moon, look at the bat on the moon! <laughs> Who drew that bat? Gotta keep reading to find out, I guess. We, we gotta read 15 gonna, more volumes, I guess. Not gonna know until, like, volume 19, I bet. I don't know. <laughs> it could genuinely be, it could be, like, the last chapter is the reveal of how that uh, bat was on the moon. Or it could be that, like, you know, next week I'm gonna know. If you had to guess, like, right now, what the end of this comic is. Like, not events leading up to it, but the very end. What would you guess? Um, okay. I'm trying to think about... (laughs) Christ. I have no idea. Um, let me think for a sec. I guess I would imagine... I guess I would imagine that, like, You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna swing for the fences. I just had a thought. Is that the end of this is like Urasawa himself getting like the Billy Bat Scroll or something? <laughs> That's where I'm gonna go with this. Is that like Naoki Urasawa puts on his fiction suit and gets involved in this himself somehow? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I don't I don't think this comic is as hacky as uh the Invisibles is, but like. That's the best thing I can imagine right this moment is that like is that it's like moving into the present day and Billy Bat is still there like moving things behind the scenes of history and someone's got to have someone's got to have that at the end of the day and who better than the guy making the book himself, you know? I <laughs> uh, can't wait to find out how wrong I am. <laughs> yeah that's all i got yeah me too uh where can people find you online uh you can find me at combat lyric d on twitter and co-host and rather than plug something uh you should first give money to export audio where this podcast is and then secondly you should give ten dollars to neural mapping to listen to five hours of voip life from new year's eve it was so good. That episode is so good. I, I say it because I'm on 45 minutes of it, but the other five hours are great. It's so good. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. You can find me on co-host at autumnal. On co-host, I do like 
big posts every week. Uh, I should write that after I finish up here. Um, uh, kind of like collecting, like, here's all the podcasts that came out on the network this week. So if you want to know uh, what's going on with us, uh, export or Patreon. Uh, if you want to know what's going on with us, going to my co-host at Autumnal is probably the easiest way. You can also check out the Patreon by going to exportodd.io. If you give us a dollar a month, you get a bunch of the podcasts uh, a week early. If you give us five dollars a month, you will get the second half of our Billy Bat coverage, among other like bonus episodes of this podcast. Um, so, like, yeah, uh, first this episode and next episode are going to be in the free feed, but volumes eleven through twenty. You will have to uh, go to the paid feed to get access to that. So I saw somebody today subscribe to the $5 feed. So thank you to that person. I'm not going to say your name on the show because I don't have it. And also, I don't know if you want that. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Um, I don't know if you want to oh, do... Oh, and thank you, as always, to Cam for doing our artwork. Yes. I keep meaning to mention that on more episodes of the show than I do. <laughs> Uh, you can cut this if you want, but do you want to do emails for the end of this? Because it's a bigger series. Oh, we absolutely should. We absolutely should. Yeah, I won't cut that. Okay. If you want to um, if you want to email us and ask any questions, share any thoughts that you have about Billy Bat, um, go. you can email exportaudiopodcast at gmail.com. Put, um, put Billy Bat... Um, yeah, put Billy Bat in the subject line so I can find it easy. We got a bunch of different podcast emails that all show up to the same account, so please put Billy Bat in the subject somewhere. Um, but yeah, we will we will answer all those emails. We'll answer them on the last episode. Yeah, yeah I was like, do we want to answer them week to week? No, we'll just answer them all on the last episode. Because <laughs> yeah, that's also when we'll, like, it's the same, the book is the same, it's just plot at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah. You got a couple weeks to get those in. I hope people are enjoying this. Um, but yeah, if that's everything, uh, I guess we can get out of here. Yep. Uh, I guess bye, we're reading everybody. Right, we're, no, we know we're reading next time already. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's novel. Uh, I love that. Goodbye.